2: They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
3: Good morning, this is Talking Devils, the leading independent Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined by Manchester United legend, Paul Parker, to talk about um, <laughs> we're going to have to talk about it unfortunately Manchester City 6 Manchester United 3 If you're watching the video please like and subscribe Um, I know it's going to be a tough one to get through If you're watching live on YouTube or Facebook feel free to get your comments and questions in and if you're watching on the replay say hello feel free to comment, we do reply to the, the um comments that we get Paul, um, I don't even know before we begin how were you doing? How was your weekend apart from Manchester United's performance?
0: No, it was it was okay. No, nothing really different. I was at London Stadium just to, just to watch West Ham v Wolves, and just knowing what knowing finding out a little bit before and speaking to people from Wolverhampton Wanderers is that, uh, I you know, I I knew before the game that there was going to be a change. I knew that um, there was a lot of you know people. Who weren't happy with the way things were. The football yeah. they were saying was disappointing. Um, they said there was issues going on around the training ground. What what was being delivered there? You know he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna last. And that performance from Wolves. And when you're playing Ruben Nevis as a sweeper, and you're still losing a game one yeah. nil, there's a problem. And he played ninety odd minutes as a sweeper. Still maybe one of their best players, looking making a job look so easy as a sweeper and you don't push him on, then you know there's a problem.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, the manager was psyched, and Wolves are looking for a new man. Um, there seems to be a few of them. Middlesbrough sites Chris Wilder this morning. So um, it's, it's always that sort of early October sweep of the brush, isn't it? <laughs> you see a few mm-hmm. managers get the axe. Um, there'll be a lot of pressure on Eric Tenog this morning uh, for sure. Like I said, 6-3 the Derby at one point. It was 6-1. And there was another point in the game where I felt like it was going to be 8-9-1 and not 6-3. So if you to ask me how I feel this morning, I feel more like I watched an 8-9-1 loss rather than I did watch a 6-3 loss. I wasn't comforted by the the late goals by Martial for sure. I, I don't think I'm catastrophizing there, Paul, by when I'm saying, like, it could have been 8-9. or Because if you'd have said to me at 6-1, City need to score... <clears throat> three more times to win the title on goal difference. I think they, they could have done it with ease. Mm. Um, and I don't really know. I mean, we'll talk about the selection. We'll talk about the players in a moment and, and the manager. But the, the summary of the game, Paul, I mean, I think the scale of the defeat says, you know, a lot of people could say United were a bit ring-rusted. They hadn't played a league game for a month. It might have played a part in the slow start, but I, I don't think you can put it down to that. It was just a... A very, very bad day, wasn't it? I mean, I don't even know where to begin with it. It was so bad.
0: It was. It was, it was poor. From the moment the game kicked off, <laughs> you could see United allowed City to have the ball, which you just can't do because they just picked up momentum and then got quicker and quicker. And then all of a sudden they started to progress more forward, doing all their work in the final third. <clears throat> Dallow, always, always odds on to get the first booking. Um, stupid, stupid challenge he done on Jack Grealish. Jack Grealish was going nowhere. He allowed him a run, and he didn't want to do his work, and it and it cost him a booking. So that affected him. then um, all of a sudden, he gave Grealish encouragement. I mean, Grealish, I think that's his best. I would say that was his best 45 minutes for City. Yeah. You know, where before he hasn't really done anything, and Dallow has been playing playing very well. Yeah. Scored two. Saw him score two goals for his country while he was away. And if it will come back on a bit of a high. And he's always the one, whenever I, I do games, as I did yesterday, I talk about Dello. I said he's doing well, but the problem is he gets too emotional and he gets too petulant. He thinks he has to keep winning the ball to be a good defender. If I was talking talking about a 15-, 16-year-old, I suppose I'd accept it easier that you can see that enthusiasm, but not someone who's, I'm going to say, an established... Now, right back of Manchester United and the right back for his national team, you'd expect a little bit more. But what what United what happened to United in six three was massively flattering. To be perfectly honest, City come out in the second half. I expected them to really go for it, but I think they come out like a, like any team would do. You're four 0 up at halftime. It's very very difficult to to get the players going again best yeah. managers in the world, one, as you see in Pep, still struggle to get them going. When they went in their little bits, you still saw how good they were, but I people come out and say, oh, I read something today on Twitter and someone come out and say I was happy what I saw with United, what they've done in the second half, it's said that, that we're not as far away as what <clears throat> you know as what we were before, and I think to myself, well, if you're not going to get a second half performance with a little bit of gut, passion, drive, and Pride, then you you haven't you definitely got the wrong players if you're four 0 down.
3: Yeah. If, that,
0: if you can't come out in the second half, and the saying is in within football, if your manager will thinking is that if he's three, four, five down at halftime, he will come out. He will be virtually saying to the players, or he said to him, "We'll take nil nil."
3: Yeah.
0: We don't concede another goal. Yeah. And the manager's saying it as players, you don't want to concede anymore. So. So anybody who's living off that second half performance, please don't because it, it's there. It should be, that's imprinted. It's not not down on a bit of paper, but you expect players to have pride when yeah. they go out in that, in that situation. Sometimes, as we've seen with United of old, they've come back. You know, United of yesterday year would have come back. Sometimes from being in that position, under all the United were coming back from 2-0 down. Yeah. And that was more down to the actual attitude of the players which. Got found out after after that's after all those kind of results. So there's still a long way to go. I think he, suddenly seeing now really that the players who were playing uh, involved in that four game, or I should say the four Premier League unbeaten run, um, or four and a bounce, the wins. They're still they're still not up to it. Them are miles away from it. They're the ones they need replacing without a doubt I mean, it, isn't, it isn't reactive on my side of my part I should say of seeing watching that game yesterday it's just the fact it's always been there and it's amazing what winning games what it can actually hide
3: yeah.
0: winning oh. games of football as the saying goes it papers over the cracks yeah. and it's been, it's been papering over McTominay and 100% papering over Bruno Fernandes yeah, um... absolutely. And when you go to a game up against a high-caliber team and you look at his quality, then you look at what City, their quality, you know at the end of the day, he's not Manchester United. Without a shadow of a doubt, he is not Manchester United. He come to United and he made a big, big difference in the lockdown league. No crowds around, nothing to affect him emotionally, you know, empty stands. And the moment he's got into stadiums with fans, he's not the same player. And I'll say it again, I can see why he's been in Portugal for so, for so long. I see it now. He's gone away on a couple of occasions, come straight back. And I think there's reasons why. And Michael Oliver done the best thing. And maybe other referees will see it now. He booked him, he booked him because of his tantrum. Yeah. When he was totally, totally wrong, he was nowhere near right with what he was screaming about. And Michael Oliver didn't even bother going to speak to him. He just put his card up and just said, have that and every right to do it to him. And that's yeah. the captain of Manchester United.
3: Yeah, no, um, I can't can't really argue with that. I mean, look, when the defeat is so heavy... You you look at three things. I'll come to the um the comments first. Patrick has has put three comments in, so I'm gonna read them. Patrick said, Morning guys, a heavy derby day, defeat. City are obviously ahead of us with their setup, style of play, coaching, and confidence. It's gonna take a year or so to go toe-to-toe on our terms. We had clear limitations with confidence on the ball in midfield and attack. So we never gave ourselves an opportunity to stay in the game in the first half. I hate to pick out names, but when Bruno, Rashford and Sancho. Don't give us a chance to have some care and cuteness with the ball against a really good team, albeit we worked hard against Liverpool. Um, yeah, I mean, this this is a, a point, right? So when when a defeat is that heavy, Paul, uh, you do look at it and you say, alright, City played well, they can't say that they didn't play well. But from a United perspective, you have to put it on the players or the manager. And if you're going to start saying a lot of these players are not up to it, then that's obviously a massive red flag and a massive concern. And you mentioned the, the, the run of results and we did see good showings against Liverpool and we did see a, a decent performance against Arsenal. Uh, all, you know, we should also concede that Arsenal probably deserved something from the game, but there were still better performances. Um, I, don't, I really don't know how to sort of summarise what happened because in defence, you had the first time any of those that had played in a, par- uh, in a derby apparently, especially as a collective, that's never happened. Um in the mid in the midfield, you know, McTominay and Fred, they've been picked to play that role against City for a purpose in in the in the um, last sort of three or four years. And then that's the the knock on question from that is, can you play Bruno and Eriksen in this um, in the same team against City? Can you play? And not even I don't want to sound like I'm digging out Eriksen because he was probably the calmest on the ball, but Bruno and McTominay on really strong rhythmic possession. They're not going to be the players. Who, going to keep hold of the ball for you you know fernandez will take the gamble with the pass and met just you know we've seen he's got strengths because he's shown them in the last few games but in a game like this you would put him alongside fred um can you play sancho and rashford who are too passive you know they're not you know you need to you know see if they've got vulnerabilities it's in the back line so you're going to need attackers to be hungry and wanting to you know, cause those errors and force those mistakes and they they weren't doing that. And if you need players like that, you're gonna need more assurance, more aggression, more self-confidence. We were talking last week, Paul, about this and you know, I understand why he didn't start Casemiro. But I wonder, you know, considering what happened against Brentford, considering what happened against Brighton, was there not a point a point of him where he, he looked back and said, All right, well let's look at the qualities that we've got in the squad. Let's look at the results that we've had over the last two or three years look how we achieved those results. Like, you know, we, he would have seen that under Solskjaer, we had a good run of results against um, City. So why didn't he look at the the squad and say, all right, this is the kind of combination of players that you need, you know? Because, all right, we looked at Brentford and Brighton and they obviously caught Tenog by surprise. And this is, I think it's the first time he's come up against City, Guardiola City. And, all right, he, he's seen Guardiola work at close quarters with Bayern Munich, but that was with the you know, I know Bayern have got the greatest resources in Germany, but he's still, the, the resources of a football club. Whereas City have got they're a different behemoth in terms of what resources they've got. They they can facilitate the eradication of mistakes in a single transfer window, whereas you know Bayern, even Bayern, couldn't do that. So you see in Guardiola's style of football as perfect as it, it can be, as dominating as it's going to be. Um, I, I'm just wondering. <clears throat> In no point do you think that 10 should have looked back at the, the, the I'm not saying Sol was perfect he, he most obviously was not but the tactics that he got against City were generally decent for for the squad with the limitations that we've got and I wonder why he didn't look at that and just think do you know what yeah playing a midfield well it's got one player in it was comfortable on sort of keeping possession of the ball and and two we were just gonna give it away is not you know, it's not a good game plan when you've got two forwards who are not confident on... You know, like Rashford and Sancho were, we're nowhere near confident enough to run it. So it was like, it's almost like he, he picked the worst combinations of players for the game that we had.
0: I would, I'd imagine, because I think he's quite astute and everything, that he would have seen those games. But I don't, I, sometimes, I mean, people still talk about Oli and going to <coughs> play against City. I don't know if he's a little bit... There must have been, a, excuse me, <clears throat> a little bit of um, good fortune there as well.
3: Yeah,
0: I was there on a couple of occasions at the Etihad when the wins the League Cup, and yeah, was was it a League Cup game or FA Cup, or something? It was a cup game now. And cup. then I saw the the one where Martial scored that one at the near post. I think that was that must have been about what eight um, season 2018, 19 I think it was, and he scored that. Win. He scored, I think, the winning goal at the near post against Edison at the opposite end to where the way supporters are. And he would have looked to that and then he would have seen the players that he had available. He would, have, he would have gone by the performances. He would have turned around about trusting them. He would have then said about gaining their trust. And he would, he would have said, I'm sticking by you in a big game. This is what Manchester United thrives on. Big games. Um, you look at, you've got your big players. And they let him down, to be perfectly honest. I've been reading for the last two weeks all about the reasons why Sancho <clears throat> should feel hard done by he wasn't in the England squads. And I'm um, <clears throat> reading a little bit. If Rashford was fit, you know, would he have been there or sh- he should have been there? I'm seeing that Rashford won um, Player of the Month
3: mm.
0: and I'm kind of chuckling because I, I really don't understand it. Rashford and Sancho have been poor. They've been poor all season. And what's kept them in people's head is they've scored have scored goals in, in big games for Manchester United, Arsenal and Liverpool games. But if someone was to watch the night all the minutes they've played so far this season, they'll they'll be they'll be actually saying to themselves, no, they don't deserve to be playing for their national team. It's amazing how goal when you score a goal it suddenly you put on rose-tinted glasses and you forget everything prior to the goal and then after the goal and you just play lives off lives off of goals Marcus Rashford he was poor he was seriously poor again every time he, he was center forward and he kept giving the ball away he wasn't holding the play up he
3: yeah.
0: he, he, he wasn't he wasn't even closing down he was jogging around it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. Marcus Rashford is as much a goalkeeper, sorry, a centre-forward as I am a goalkeeper, to be perfectly honest. And that's at 58 years of age. And I think, I'll be, I think I could still want to be a better goalkeeper. I might be able to stop the ball. Be a bit worried about being chipped, though. But it's just it's, it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. His performance, Sancho, terrible. Never done anything positive at all, those two, in what we were seeing. So, and then we. T- when you look at it, the one player who I would like to have seen on that pitch would have been Fred. Yeah. Just for the fact of he can get around the park. He's athletic. Um, he's industrious and he's tenacious. So City would not have passed the ball that easy if he was in there. They might have, he might have held him up for a... A split second to affect him, not to knock a pass in between <clears throat> Dallo and Varane.
3: Yeah. And
0: little bits like that, he might have done it. I think I don't think Scott McTominay really made a, a challenge in the game. He ran around as he does. You know, he runs around six foot three and runs around his height. Never drops down and tries to move his feet quicker. It's very it's just slow and ponderous. You wanted someone in there tenacious and. I could understand if he'd have left Scott McTominay and bring in Fred or if he didn't play Fernandes and played Fred in there with Ericsson. But mm. there's somebody who was just going to go out there and be brave and nothing phases Fred, to be honest. He's the first person everyone has a go at, yeah. without doubt. But he's the one that you know you're going to get something, something positive, positive out of him in the big games because he treats every game the same. Yeah, and in a game like that, you just know you you, you know, just say Fred, win it and give it, and he'll be the best around because of the way he is, and he's honest. He has a shot at goal, which Edison saves, and then that's when that's was that when um Martial okay. comes in, when Ed, yeah, and he's there. He's he's around there. He's busy. He can he can get from one end to the other. Can you remember yeah. those midfield players used used to call it box to box, which everyone's. Those kind of players who are willing to run, not these ones who want to be a CDM. Look at me, I'm sitting here in the safe zone. Fred's willing to go in now. and he's not. And if he makes a mistake, he'll go and do it again and see if he can make it, get the right decision to make it better. He's the kind of players that Manchester United needs, and hopefully Ten Hag will see that. He will see that at the end of the day is that Scott McTominay. Everyone's saying he's done well; he deserves to be there. I suppose he does, but. If you want to step on, you need to look beyond him and you think of best, better ways to get beyond him. Casemiro comes on a sub. Whenever he comes on a sub, it looks like he hasn't washed his feet for a year. It takes him that long, <clears throat> that long to get himself going. He looks scruffy when he comes on. He may be not the best at warming up as a sub. But you get him into a game early, then you might find that there's something there. At the moment, people are going, oh, I'm not sure we wasted money there. As that game went on yesterday, you could see him getting better and more and just getting to his way into it. Now, he needs to start in the game. He needs to start and he needs to look at his midfield. Yeah. What is going to be the midfielder can take Manchester United forward? Not to catch City this season. Forget about that. It's about can Manchester United and seeing that Liverpool have taken a step back the way they've kind of conducted themselves over the last few seasons with what they've done. They've had a massive surge, but they haven't gone with the future. That's why they're finding problems now within it, is that they they haven't built that little bit within to take them to the next stage to compete again to win the Premier League at this moment in time. That's the bit that's caught them out. They haven't, well, at the moment, they're just struggling to get any momentum at all in their play or results. But United can still do it. They've got Casemiro sitting on the bench, they've got Fred who can't get there. That's where that's where the problem is still in midfield that is the biggest problem still with manchester united something that he can deal with because there's two players on that bench you can use the, the biggest problem he can't really deal with because he hasn't got the personnel to do with it and that is the attacking side of it anthony in the second half i would say was united's best player yeah
3: he was brave
0: got... at both brave at both ends in the first half it t- took him 15 minutes to get a touch of the ball yeah but he, he never went missing. Yeah. And, that's, and I turn around and always say because I remember Sir Alex saying it about big players. He said you look for big players to perform in your big games. If they don't perform in your big games, then then they're not the right players.
3: Yeah. No, he was. That's, um, what
0: he, that's what he said.
3: We had that conversation last week. I remember when I was saying like one of my little minor concerns was that I'd not seen a lot of him make a. a stamping his authority on the game, but to have the confidence to score the goal in which he did, this sort of allayed those fears somewhat. Uh, it was a great goal. So he joins the um, the names of Mark Hughes and Darren Fletcher to score memorable goals in games you'd much rather forget against Manchester City. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, you're dead on with everything he said. in Casemiro, we, again, the conversations that we've had in, in previous podcasts about this, you can understand why he's sort of been if you'd have put him in from the start yeah now in hindsight it looks like it might have had a better effect but you can sort of understand why he didn't because of like you know it's a, a big game and you know like it took Anthony 15 minutes to sort of get his to sort of know where he was 15 minutes the game was already up for united so if you'd had casemiro in that so I'm not I'm a bit unsure on this ronaldo stuff you know he didn't bring ronaldo on because of you know he said that it because of the career that he's had and I can sort of understand it was 6-1 you're not going to bring him on because all the headlines are going to be pictures of Ronaldo and everything like that. It doesn't do anyone any favours. And it still is the the lingering conversation about whether or not um, the, the death of his, his child is still affecting him. I read some things about that recently. Don't want to underestimate that. Nor do I want to sort of start giving excuses for a supreme sportsman, but there's a lot of psychological things in there and, You'd be looking at it forward going Casemiro and Ronaldo are probably going to get more minutes for sure, regardless of the games, because of the facts that the other players. Um, and, and Anthony obviously made the, a good impression. I want to just have a, a quick word on say, Holland, unbelievable. Foden, <coughs> uh, an incredible talent. Holland has really transformed this Manchester City side. And I'm just wondering, Paul, I mean, Everyone seems to be rejoicing in it. He and Martin Tyler on commentary for Sky yesterday, and he was buzzing. He was buzzing because City were battering United. And everyone seems, you know, they're going to enjoy that at the moment. I wonder if a, a game like that's going to be a bit of a watershed moment for British football, because they're going to do that to most teams, not just United. And they are doing it to most teams, especially with City, uh, with, with Ireland in the team, because Hollanders. Transformed the way that Guardiola plays. You know, this is a man who's famed for having the same system, but now he knows he's got Holland in there. He's just crosses all the time, which is tells you a lot about tiki taka football and his belief in a philosophy. But he's, they are just
0: the, quick, just quickly whining, but they're crossing and they're they're hitting individuals yeah. rather than cr- cr- crossing just percentage crossing. It's not just that in hope.
3: They're oh actually, no, yeah,
0: it's <laughs> precision. <laughs>
3: The yeah, because they've got the best in the business of that. They've got <coughs> De Bruyne, they've got Silva, Grealish is a great deliverer of the ball, so they've got all, all the right sort of tools to be able to do that as well. Marez is another one, so they are going to do that. And when you've got a, a striker like Arland, who's like he's gonna go down as one of the best ever for sure, one of the best in Premier League history, you can say that as a, a cast iron um, guarantee. They are going to do that to most teams, and you look at the league. And, you know, it's. I know I'm going to have to wash my mouth out after saying this, but the league has pretty much been fairly lucky that Liverpool have had consistency in the poor league because they've made it look competitive for three or four years, and it's really not. I mean, they've been good enough to develop that consistency to batter or to run roughshod over the worst teams in the league, and it made it look like, oh, it's really competitive, the top two, and it really isn't. And now you see Liverpool dropping off, and you see one team... Um, it's a grotesque advantage that they've got, and I wonder how many people, how many years people are going to look at this and say, This isn't great to watch anymore. It's not, you know, it's not beautiful football, it's a result of massive financial injection, and it's pretty much unsustainable for the league. I mean, even the city fans, they were 4 0 up, 5 1 up, and the crowd was flat, didn't mean anything to them. And, like, I mean, really, there's no like, um, it's no watershed moment in British football in terms of, oh, that's a, a massive performance and everything like that. Because you know, the City can do that. It's, it's not surprising that they put four or five, six past us in, in a depressing way, but not for the reason like they think it is, like it's a result of beautiful football. And yeah, they're all crowing about it now, but do you think that it might be a result that sort of changes the way that people look at the way that City do things? Because, you know, there's there's beautiful football and there's winning trophies and then there's ruining the league, which is looking like it's going to do. I mean, you put Haaland into that team and, yeah, every team buys players and, you know, that's part of the process. But you've now seen the result of sort of 14, 15 years of City doing this to the league and it was always going to end up this way. Um, Do you think that it might sort of provoke something of a backlash? I mean, I'm not talking this result, but I'm talking like these kind of results in like two or three years, people are going to look at it and say, you know, Call it for what it is, basically, instead of just saying, Oh, this is the best team that we've ever seen.
0: I don't think you can come out and I think it's an easy thing to say that when everything at the moment, because of where we are, every, everything's the best. Oh, he's the best there, he's the best there. And we could forget him, what thing. we're putting the past behind too quick. Five years is the past now, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's the way it's become. But what you're saying now, I, I get where you're going, <laughs> I fully understand it. It's not. You know, sometimes we like to see things built. We know that money always helps, but it's just about the way the way it's been it's been done. But it's going to be. I mean, if if we if we're going to judge it against anything, I think we have to judge it against maybe the German league, and it isn't going to change, is it? Really, the German league hasn't changed for years. The weight could with Bayern Munich's strength it hasn't changed. They're going out and getting these kind of results. The only team at one point who would compete with them was um, Dortmund. I think when Klopp was there, I mean, yeah. there's always a team, but I mean, they they sometimes went and played up, played in up, played that played against them, and they would get beat five, and that yeah. was a team that's supposed to be competing with Bayern. So yeah. it's, it's been happening for a while, quite a while in German football already, and it's it's happening here to a point. Yes, you're right. It's lucky that Liverpool had a go last season, and they're tailed off and there's no one else around at the moment who's going to get anywhere near him at the moment. So there is a, there is a problem. But it, ain't gonna, it isn't going to change because there's too many people earning money out of it, Wayne. Yeah. Too many people earning money out of it. So as much as we, as much as not we, yeah, I definitely want a competitive league because everyone says they're the greatest ever. And I always turn around and say, Manchester United, <clears throat> when, when we won the first Premier League, it was competitive. Right away to the world. When we won the second one, it was really, it was competitive. And when the first, even to the, in 95, 96, it was competitive.
3: Yeah.
0: It, always competitive. And that's what everyone wants. Everyone wants it that way. No one wants to see someone just run away with it and then having to talk about the rest of it. And, you know, so getting 90 odd points or even a hundred points doesn't make you the greatest team ever. It gives you the greatest amount of points but it doesn't make you the greatest team. Yeah. No, Nowhere near that. And as Roy said to the point, it, the points are never on the back. Never puts your points on the back of a medal.
3: Yeah.
0: It's never there. So when um, when I see people saying, oh, United only got 70, 80 points when they won this and won that, that means the league was good and everyone was desperately trying to beat Manchester United. They hadn't given up when they turned up in the coaching go, we're not going to win here. So, um, so... No, I mean it's going to go on. We've got we've got to accept it. I don't think there'll be a change at City until at some point Pep Guardiola moves on, and then and then there will be a change.
3: Yeah, um, yeah. He's not going to go anywhere until he's won one or two European Cups because he's going to want that legacy. Ajmal says hello, good evening, good evening wherever you are, mate, and hope you're well. Um, looking for some crumb of positivity. I mean Liverpool like we mentioned. They're they're a team who've gone through that transition. They challenged for the title in 2014. Then they lost 6-1 to Stoke and they got a new manager and it still took them three, four or five years to develop that sort of consistency. And that was the value of patience, support, the length of time that it takes to sort of put you back into a project like the one that Klopp had. And, you know, he's got to keep banging that drum as we have done for the three and a half years we've been doing this podcast uh, together You've got to note that period of time because no manager has had that long since Ferguson. Like they all get jacked at like three years. That's it. And you know there will be more defeats. There'll probably be more embarrassing defeats, but those lessons will have to be learned by the players and by the manager. He, you know, he can look at that, and say, "Oh, that midfield didn't work," and we'll give him the benefit of the doubt this time. But it's going to have to be better in the next game. He's going to have to have a, a better plan. Like the likes of Dallo. Like now, he's had, he's having a. The greatest spell of his United career and he's had a massive setback and now you're going to give him this chance to respond that's what we do as supporters and as a club and then you're going to see whether or not he's got the the fortitude that it takes to play for United um, I feel like I've not given enough credit to Anthony for his incredible goal so um, I would say you know take something to to come out of nine goals and you've scored the best goal in the game and and you know Barely anyone's ever talking about it, but he said it was a big thing for him. And like you said, he didn't go missing when the excuse was there to go missing. You know, that when we've seen that, by the way, we did see that last season. And if there's one crumb of comfort, it's again that I'm not saying we were massively improved in the second half because defensively we were we were very poor. But obviously we had a bit of a go at them. And yes, the the two legals were kind of given to us. But I would still say at least that's Ten Org addressing the flaws as much as he could in a single game and, and going for it in the way that he did. Um, uh, so anyway, let's move on to talk about the other two games that United will be playing before we talk again next. Ammonia, um, they've had a difficult start in the Europa League. They've had a mixed start in their own domestic league as well. In the 80s, Paul... Um, they were the most successful team in Cyprus. Most recently, they've had Henning Berg as their manager, obviously known to everyone watching and listening to this, before Neil Lennon took over earlier this year. Um, the start of this season, they've won three and lost two in the league. They've lost both of their Europa games. got battered off Sheriff, I, I seem to remember, I think it was by three goals. A couple of familiar names in this squad, one of them being Adam Matthews, the former Celtic and Sunderland defender. Um playing away on, on Thursday night, Thursday evening, I should say, Thursday afternoon, 5.45, kickoff off again. Um, unpredictable. It's a long travel for United. You know, you don't have to sort of it's a catch 22 because now this is a, a run of games where they all come in Thursday and Sunday. You know, before he, he was able to pick a strong side and it won fairly comfortably in, in Moldova you would probably presume, without wanting to be too disrespectful to Ammonia, that he's got the ability in there to make one or two different changes. And yet, I know we've got Everton and we'll talk about them in a moment, but you kind of want to see a couple of changes to have a bit of a reaction in there because United are now, um, it's not just about reaction in terms of results, they're going to have to start putting in some performances, aren't they? That's going to have to start with the Europa League. Yeah, I
0: mean, he has to take this game a little bit more serious now the fact that we you know got a it was diffi- a difficult start, but in the end it finished off a good performance in the previous p- previous game in Europa League. Yeah. So um <clears throat> this one coming up, it, it should um the score line did flatter <clears throat> did flatter the team that Ammonia played against. I have to say United wiped the floor of them in the end. It should maybe should have been more. Yeah. But this game is even harder because not so, it's not so much harder, but this team, majority of their supporters support Manchester United anyway. Yeah. as a good friend has already told me, he goes, there'd be so many United fans in there. He said, it will be ridiculous, but they're going to want to make a mark. Neil Lennon's going to want to make a mark and remind people that he's still out there. So, you know, as far as he's going to be really pushing them to make a mark in this game. And so it's just about United again, going through what they did in the last game, sorting themselves out with a pitch is what they did before when they was there um, in their previous game. Here it's going to be about the way the players are going to be going at them. You've got the mental side of the players play now. That going to go in there as well. They've got to deal with that. And if they can get through that first 15, 20 minutes without really giving them a sniff or any any encouragement, they should cruise this game.
3: Yeah.
0: And then that make them that'll put them in a better mode than what they what they were previously after what's happened. Yesterday, and that's, that's the bit of Ten Hag that has to do with the changes. What he's going to do, yes, he he might, he should maybe make changes, but it's about what's going to be the right changes. Is it right to bring in Ronaldo now after what happened at the weekend? What's his mindset going to be about? He's, he's mostly heard what people have been saying. He's read what people have been saying. Does he really want to go out there and prove a point, or is he just going to shrug his shoulders and not really try? as such. I don't know. When <clears throat> I mean, you're looking at Marciel, needs a run out now. Yeah. So I, I'd, somewhere along the line, I think he has to start a game. Has to yeah. start a game. And then you're looking at Rashford and Sancho, two players who don't really deserve to be starting. We've got to look at maybe one of them might start, or he might even start with a younger player
3: yeah. and
0: see what he gets there. Maybe just to... maybe just. Been sitting around on a bench a while, maybe just give one of the younger players a start just to send that little bit of belief within the squad. The younger players within the squad know there's a chance of them, you know, yeah. if, they, if they hang in there and keep doing it right. But as well, more importantly, to the fans as well. So they can see that he's, he's willing to look at the young players now and 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 prove their point, looking what might be happening as the season goes on with younger players coming through and looking towards next season as well. So there is a lot of questions that, that there for the for the next game. People say you know it's an easy one. It is in certain ways on paper, but for the manager, it's a difficult one because he's got to make the right choices. And yeah. it isn't about the, the football side of it. It's about what's in the player's head. I mean, at halftime, he brought on Luke Shaw. I think Malassia was um, a little bit mentally tired in his way because of played in two big internationals. Got to yeah. remember, as a young boy. I think he had a, there was an issue issue with um, El, El, um Louis van Gaal. I yeah. think they, they kept piping up, so that that might have been on his mind. But I remember I remember Evra going into a Manchester derby and having an absolute nightmare. Yeah, he had a terrible time, and you look look at the level he got to. Yeah. So Malaysia, you, you saw what we've seen, what we've seen before. He, he had that moment. Um, he brings on Luke Shaw. He might stick with that. Until the Everton game, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, Lindelof will stay in now, won't he? Yeah, he will, he will stay in. Um, I don't think we can judge Lindelof off of what happened there. I thought he did all right. To be honest, I wouldn't. I can't see anything sticking out of that corner. That was that was terrible. So he's got an opportunity to go and go and play a game of football as well midweek and maybe at the weekend as well.
3: Yeah, no, most certainly you're right. I mean, that's a a thing that we didn't see a lot last season with Ragnik and one of the things that really frustrated a lot of people was um, when we'd be defeated heavily the next week, the exact same team would start. At least he's got options in the team with the players that he's bought and the youngsters around the squad um, that you would think that, you know, like, possibly langer, possibly Garnaccio will get minutes on Thursday night um we'll see how that goes and it, you know all right the jury's still out on a langer, but um to give him a little bit of a run will give him confidence um and let him know that he's in the mix for that and let the senior players know that they're not necessarily guaranteed a place just because they scored a couple of goals um the standard has to be better they all know that at the moment um Big test next week, absolutely bizarre time, Everton, 7pm on a Sunday night. Um, it will barely have finished by the time that we're recording the podcast. So um, Lampard, um, you know, he was odds on at one point, Paul, to be the next manager, site, but the moment people seem to be warming to him again, you know, it's a bit of you know up and down with him. A bad time for United because Everton have picked up on the form, so you might say it's a bad time to be Gunnar Goodison because their confidence is on the, the up, but... Maybe a good time as well because you go in there. It's a weird kickoff time. The crowd will definitely be up for it in a way that they probably even weren't at City. So the atmosphere is going to be there for the United players to sort of, you know, to be stung and come out and do something. Um, you know, you're going to want to see something from the from the off. A, a massive reaction, yeah, on Thursday, but definitely on Sunday. So um, how do you see that one going? Everton, one of those games at home where we.
0: You- don't know. Generally, generally, United always win. I think they've won, you know they do generally win that one. Goodison seems to be the place at the moment where they don't win. It.
3: it is Goodison we're playing at.
0: Oh, oh, blooming! Oh, I thought it was a home game. No, no. Christ
3: Almighty, wake up,
0: Paul! I just, just off the back of it being away, I just assumed it's away. I haven't even looked at it to be perfectly honest. No, right. No. Well, at the moment they're not scoring a lot of goals. Everton, they're not exciting. And being at home and the way the fans have decided, the way they're going, they're going, they're going very partisan. To every single game, they're contesting. They're contesting every challenge. They're, you know, they're telling the referee what's a foul, what's not a foul. Everything is is very, very hostile at the moment at Goodison. That's the way they've gone, and they've made it very, very difficult. It's not the most exciting football you're going to see at Everton at the moment. And, Frank's having to maybe at this moment he's brought in certain players but he's still dealing with the fact of what's happened over previous seasons with previous managers.
2: Yeah lots
0: of managers for Everton anyway. So I you know I look at this game as you know just well more important than the last Premier League game because they can't afford to lose. You can't just suddenly go and do what they've done with four games and suddenly go and lose your next two. Yeah, you just you just can't do it to lose to City, then to lose to Everton as well isn't away from home isn't really good at this moment in time. It's what it's not what's needed. Ten Hag doesn't need that because because all of a sudden he'll be under he'll be under even more scrutiny than what he is now. If they were to go to Everton, Frank Everton will be on a high. Is it seven games unbeaten now, Everton? It's a good uh, run. Definitely yeah, a good run. Good run, not the most exciting run, but it's one that's take him away from being like you mentioned favorites to one of the favorites to go down to a side now that's sitting in there and Everton fans maybe just talking they're going to have something better than what they expected
3: yeah yeah it's and going to Goodison is always like a really good litmus test for some of the players I mean the likes of Martinez and like you said Malassia maybe he'll get a chance to to come back in for that one and you know, Casemiro it's a bit of a tighter pitch at Goodison, but you'd want to see Casemiro in there definitely now and see what he can do in combination with the likes of Ericsson and you know possibly Fernandez. But if you've got the security of Casemiro and Ericsson then maybe that'll make Fernandez look a little bit more less wasteful than what he has been. And you know that that forward dynamic as well has got to sort of um get a a good rhythm going so we know the players in there. But Again, you've got Anthony at least stepping up to the plate. Um, it'll be a very interesting week for United and one that we'll be back to discuss next Monday morning. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please give it a like and subscribe on YouTube. If you're listening back on the audio podcast, please be sure to give um, a, a review and subscribe on the platform you're listening on. I really appreciate everyone for listening and watching this week. I know it's been a tough one. Uh, We still love United, don't worry about that. It's just sometimes um, it's a little bit difficult to talk about it when it's a result like it was yesterday, but we we stuck through it and hope you've enjoyed the the watch and listen. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening thanks for watching.
2: The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116 123. That's 116 123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure 24-7 365 days of the year.